Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, Highland. I hope you're doing well uh, today. It is a good Sunday, as, as Larry said uh, earlier. My name is Shane Hughes, and I am one of the ministers here. And we're beginning a new series uh, this Sunday at Highland uh, called The Know and Be Known. Uh, it's about our pathway, and uh, I want to tell you a little bit about our pathway before we jump into our first icon. If you remember, on the wall of our auditorium, there were those five big black signs. There were also Uh, in our atrium that talk about how we engage in knowing God, knowing God's people, and what we do to serve. Uh, This week we're going to begin by thinking about worship. Worship is the beginning of our our pathway. And what what we really want you to grasp from this is how um, you really get connected here at Highland. We could talk about membership, or I'm a, I'm a member of a certain church, and maybe you've met someone that says, well, I'm a member of so-and-so. And, and we want you to be a part of this community. But more than just kind of placing your membership, putting that stake in the ground, we want you to engage in the pathway. It was something that our staff developed about a year ago, and I, I think it's a very uh, fascinating and, and instructive, informative way for us to understand how we engage in life here together how we learn to know God, how we learn to know one another, and how we begin to partner with what God is doing uh, as he restores our church and our city and our world. When I was a freshman uh, in college, I learned very quickly about what we called then the freshman 10, which was if you ate at the bean on a regular basis, you were going to gain weight. Now, I understand now that it's the freshman 15, which is a little alarming, but I I think that we could all agree together that there is something about the quarantine 20 that is very real. And one of the ways that I've been trying to engage in that and, and react in that and live against that snacking is by just getting out and walking by getting outside when the weather is good and, and, and experiencing creation and experiencing the, the sunlight or the overcast and experiencing all the green that's happening around my house. And I hope that you're able to engage in that too. There is something about getting out in the middle of the day and walking that does something to me, not just physically, but also spiritually. And so what we want us to do together is to walk to engage a pathway. It's a route that we're going to take at the same time, even though we might be at different places and different stages, we all know that we're walking together. And we hope that we walk in the same direction towards God. The first stage in our pathway is to know God. And I just want to pause for a second and, and, and think about how, uh, a fast, how fascinating that is as a paradox. To know the unknowable God. 
to try to articulate the being of God, the nature of God. That might be the most important thing that the universe ever does is try to name who God is. And theologians throughout history and time have, have, have spent volumes trying to describe who God is. But that's really an impossible task. I mean, how can our minds even come close to comprehending who God is, the nature and the glory of God? Our, our emotions, they betray us. They are, they are fickle and they are flaky and, and we cannot trust them. Our words are completely inadequate to describe who God is. And our, our commitment is full of failures. Yet scripture calls us to seek out God with our our whole hearts. And and if we do that, if we follow God with our entire self, with every ounce of our being, we will not be disappointed. And that's not because God is hard to find. God is everywhere. But the task of seeking God takes every ounce of your being. It takes everything that you have. When I was in school, Jackie Joyner Kersey, who was a, an Olympic uh, medalist, she did the heptathlon. She has the world record for the heptathlon that still hasn't been broken almost 30 years later. She came to my school to speak once, and I still remember the power of the image because I was sitting co- close to the front of the auditorium when she walked out on stage with that gold medal around her neck. It was the height of her career. It took her four years of dedicated training from the moment that we saw her to the moment where she earned her world record to shave eight-tenths of a second from her 100-meter time. Four years. I don't think I've done anything with that kind of focused determination with my whole self. But we pursue God with our whole hearts. And we won't be disappointed because God reveals himself. In Romans chapter 11, it's one of those dovetails in the book of Romans. It's one moment where uh, Paul moves from one side to the other side. In Romans 6 through 8, he describes how God through Jesus the Messiah makes a way for humanity back to him. And then in Romans 9 through 11, uh, he shows us how God through wisdom and mercy uses the Gentiles and the Jews to bring salvation to each other. In Romans 12 through 16, in light of this, we live our lives as living sacrifices. And and there is that beautiful moment between the end of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12 where Paul has reflected on the glorious theology of the work of God from creation to redemption to the end of time. And in that moment where he's going to begin to think and talk about how we respond, his first impulse is worship. In that moment, Paul pauses to sing. And as he catches his breath, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, inscrutable his ways. For through him and from him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever." Amen. When Paul takes his breath, 
from reflecting on the wonderful action of Jesus Christ. When Paul takes a step back and sees the grandeur of what God has done, the way he has revealed himself in creation and through the power of this world and the intention of the plan of of bringing Israel together and then the, the beauty of using the rest of the world to rescue Israel as Israel has provided a light to the rest of the world, he sings. The text evokes Isaiah and Job that that we can't do anything for God, that God hasn't already done it to himself. God doesn't owe us a thing. There's no gift that we can give him that uh, we couldn't receive already. All we can do at the end of the day is to fall back into awe at the majesty and mystery of not only the creator of the universe, but the lover of our soul. We will never grasp God. We will never express ourselves adequately to describe God or ever do anything that makes God owe us one bit. But we rest in the safety that God deeply cares for us and his loving kindness is enough. Even the universe declares the glory of God God wants to be known, which is, I think, is is fascinating because that's revealed in us and the desire that we have to be known. The safest place you ever feel in your life is is often in those places that, that you have been there a while where they know your jokes and they, they know your stories and, and they still laugh anyway and they still listen because you're loved. God reveals himself his divine nature in a million different ways. And and the beauty of the million different ways that you can access and encounter God means that it's different for each of us. All of us have had experiences that that draw us closer to God. And as I hear more and more of those stories, I realize how how really intensely unique God can be because every one of those stories is, is different. And so we asked some members here at Highland to, to share how they uh, connect with God. What connects them to worship? And we want to show that to you now. So I have a couple times when I feel most connections to God. Um, one of them is when I'm in nature. Uh, the stillness of it always centers my thoughts back to him, no matter what season of life I'm in. And embracing that stillness is always a time when I feel really close to him and feel him uh, working in me um another time is through uh physical service uh getting to benefit the kingdom of god through the body that he gave me and through those physical abilities that he gave me is always really special and feels really intimate and is definitely another uh really impactful uh form of worship for me i had the most connecting experiences in worship um during practices of meditation um, that are usually done with um, a yoga practice that I do. And um, as I finish, I go into uh, the corpse pose and I'm lying on my back, eyes closed, um, hands open, and I find myself um, in the presence of God 
or at least being able to acknowledge the presence of God in that place most easily. And those have been the most powerful experiences I've had. Uh, they've come most recently um, as I'm doing this, uh, as I have been processing my grief and the loss of my mom and lots of important relationships and I think that something about being in that place about being vulnerable about recognizing the brokenness in you and around you um, but being very embodied and feeling very connected to oneself allows me to be connected to God um, and like Jim says feels mysterious, it doesn't feel like something that's easily explainable or that I can um, describe, you know, easily for someone else to understand what it is that I, I've just been through. Um, and so there's some precious moments um, of, of worship, of acknowledging God, of, of being with God. I connect more quickly in corporate worship when the musical instruments are used. There's something about the rhythm and flow of the music that I can feel. And I think it's important to feel worship. I think it's important to feel gratitude and awe for the kindness and goodness of God. In corporate worship, I also use my imagination sometimes. I'll picture the throne room in heaven with God and Jesus on their thrones and the Holy Spirit flitting about like a breeze. Then all the people will be in front of them, some bowing down on their knees in worship, some raising their hands in praise, and some people dancing. I carry this tool of imagination over to my personal quiet time every day. I'll picture myself with Jesus by a quiet body of water. We'll just relax and talk. This is a good time for me to sit and listen to see if God has anything he wants to say to me. I find that listening is a good way to connect with God. What connects me most to God is simply being in any kind of setting where a large group of people are all united together, um, just seeking to be like and to be known by their creator. So specifically, one way I've experienced it recently has been any time I've been leading um, in a group of people, just being able to look out and see um, the peace on people's faces, the joy on people's faces, the hands raised, the silence, whatever that looks like. Um, whoever that is, that's how I see God, is through that uniting force that somehow brings whatever the size of the group of the people is together to all have the same feeling of peace and love and joy. I just think that's so beautiful. So I think for me, uh, when I've been in places of darkness or deep pain, um, those are typically the moments where I feel like I'm in a posture of worship. Um, and it, it 
typically goes from you know, being in a, in a very dark place and not being able to see anything around me. And then at some point realizing that, like, oh God, you've met me here in this place. And, and even just talking about it can make me feel emotional, but, um, but in that moment, it feels very mystical. Like um, my arms go out and I, um, and I have no words and there's no, there's no word exchange between God or I, but, um, but I'm, I'm led um, into a place, to a posture of worship in that moment. So I think for me, it's pain, darkness. Creation itself sings to the glory of God. Scripture tells us that if, if we don't lift our voices to praise, then these very stones will cry out. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a place that uh, has that kind of creation wonder. Maybe it's at, at, the, at the beach when the waves are crashing in or at the top of a mountain where you can see for miles or even just the beauty of a West Texas sunset behind mesquite trees. For me, the, the expression of, of the, the creation of, of, the, of, of singing to God is, is any sort of birth, any sort of new life. Uh, we have about three uh, birds' nests around our house, and, and we can hear those little birds cheeping. And we know that God is doing something new right now in front of us. We planted some seeds to, to grow uh, some pumpkins or maybe some watermelons, and those seeds are just starting to come out from the ground, and we, and we see that God is making everything new. What connects you to God in worship? You heard some of the answers from some of the folks here at Highland, but what we want to do is, as we turn our minds toward communion, um, we'd like you to discuss that question together. What connects you to God in worship? Where is that moment where reality seems thin and, and God seems impossibly near? What I'd like you to do is, is share that answer briefly uh, with the people around you. And then, and then we're going to pray for the cup and the bread and then take communion together in your homes. So if the rocks cry out, so will I. If the heavens declare your glory, so will I. We have this impossible task of seeking with all our hearts the, the God that is unknowable, unfathomable, un, unsearchable, yet God wants to reveal himself to us. God desires to be known. And so we pay careful attention in Scripture and in our lives to those moments where God reveals himself. One of those favorite moments for me is the, the story of, of Moses when he's called by God. You remember that he's, he's, he's on the run. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace, but he, he killed an Egyptian. And now he's living this life with his father-in-law tending sheep. And he, he sees something that he doesn't understand. He notices something that his mind can't comprehend, a bush that is on fire but doesn't seem to be burnt up. And he, he walks into that space to investigate this thing that doesn't jibe with his mind. And he hears a voice that says, take off your shoes. Because where you are right now, the moment that you're living in right now is holy ground. And then God speaks. And God sets into action a plan that will not only deliver his people, but will save the world.
And in the course of that conversation with, with Moses and God, Moses asked him the question, well, who are you? Who am I going to tell the Egyptians that you are? And, and God makes this unusual answer. He says, I am who I am. But if you look in, in your Bible, in the book of Exodus, you'll notice a little footnote there, a little asterisk. And it says at the bottom, a little note. And, and basically what it means is that in the, in the Hebrew, you can't tell the difference between present and future context, except for our future and future. Let me start over. So glad this is happening. Um, you can't tell the difference between present and future tense except through context. Which means that I am who I am might also be translated, I will be who I will be. Or if you want a loose translation of that, it could be, I'm about to show you who I am. And then what follows in the book of Exodus time and time again is wonder after wonder and power after power and miracle after miracle as God reveals exactly who he is to the Egyptians and to the Hebrews. And we know who God is by the way he acts in history. To Abraham, he was the God of the covenant. To Moses, he was the God who delivers. To Hagar, he is the God who sees. To Samuel, the God who calls. To Huldah, the God who speaks. To Anna, the God who remembers. And Paul isn't the only one who, after they experience the breath and wonder of God, responds in song. The first reaction of almost every human being when they counter God's presence is to be terribly afraid. But that second follow-up response, more often than not, is to sing. And Miriam, and Hannah, and Simeon, and Mary. Scripture reveals the nature of God. And we join creation in wonder and praise to God. So the question I want you to consider is, who is God to you? How has God revealed God's divine nature? Because God is not that far away. He's not that hard to find. But you do need to seek him with all of your being, all of your heart, every ounce of your soul. Ultimately, the best image, if you want to know what God looks like or what God sounds like or what God says, is to look at Jesus. Jesus, who carried the image of God with every breath and every step and every word and every deed. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the pathway to know God. And the only response, the only rational response we can have is to follow. Our life in worship turns us from God toward a world that deeply needs meaning. We are in a season right now where we, the world is looking for leaders that they can trust. People that they can rely on. And I think all of us in our own hearts are, are looking towards God to be someone that we can trust. And we're asking those questions. Is God present in this time? Is God aware of what's going on? Is, is God someone that I can put my weight on in a pandemic? And the last five weeks have convinced me that 
I am not as engaged in the spiritual disciplines as I need to be. But I also know that those practices, when I engage them, they ground me. When I'm feeling anxiety and my chest feels like it's, it's tightening and I'm worried, breath prayers bring me back to a place of centeredness. When I'm experiencing fear because I don't understand the future and I don't know what this is going to look like and I don't know how long we're going to be here and I'm not sure how to keep my family safe or those around me healthy, remembering what God has done in my past. Remembering that God's promises are true. And sometimes that's journaling those down or sometimes it's just saying the phrase to myself, God is still present in this time. That shapes who we are. A life of worship, continually exalting God and remembering God's faithfulness shapes us to become a people who are not only able to have the words that bring meaning and comfort, but we're able to carry the presence of God to others. And so what we want you to do this week and for the next few weeks is to engage in what we are calling pathway rhythms. And we want to use the metaphor of a labyrinth during this time. Now, uh, there's actually a labyrinth on the ACU campus. And so if you want to go and check it out, this is an ancient Christian tradition that was developed in probably Ireland with the Celts. It's, it's a pathway that you walk on. It kind of looks like a maze, but it's, it's this journey that you take with small steps as you travel around uh, this path into the center of the labyrinth. And as you go, you can say prayers, you can be mindful, you can recite scripture, But we want you to engage a labyrinth for the next four weeks. And we want you to engage in certain practices. Now, you may not be able to go out to ACU to walk one. You may want to just draw one on a piece of paper and trace it with your finger. Or you may make a labyrinth of your neighborhood. And as you walk those streets, you engage in these spiritual practices. And we have some things that we'd like you to check out. If you go to highlandchurch.org slash pathways, pathway, uh, you're going to find some instructions there. You're going to find more information about how you engage in life here at Highland. But we want you to do three or four practices this week. And I, I really want you to engage this because it's going to center you. It's going to help you feel normal in a difficult time. First thing I want you to do is to spend some time alone with God this week. Totally, utterly by yourself. Some of us are, are, are um, quarantined with our families and we're staying at home and, and you don't get a lot of your own personal space right now because uh, your kids want to be on your back all the time and that's great. But find about 30 minutes this week where you can just, even if it's just going off into your backyard or somewhere, and I want you to sing to God out loud, using your voice, Sing praise to God all by yourself. It's what Marvadon calls a royal waste of time. It's time that's only spent for God. And it's, it's not productive in the sense that you're making something or cleaning something or getting something ready. It's just time with you and God. And see what happens when you offer that to him. Another thing you can engage in in your worship with God is to write a psalm. You can start with Psalm 19 and and maybe read through the whole thing. It's pretty short, but then go back and read it again, line by line, verse by verse, until you get inspired. And when you get inspired, just start writing it yourself. It's a prayer that's offered to God. and See what happens. 
The third thing is, is to video or, or journal the answer to this question. What connects you in worship? Spend some time really through thinking about that. One of the things I loved about the, the testimony that we saw today was how thoughtful each of those responses were. What connects you to God? Was there, was there a season in your life or a moment in your life where you felt particularly connected to God? What, what was that like then? Maybe journal that or, or, or videotape yourself answering that question or just, just contemplate the answer. We begin our journey towards God as a church. We begin our pathway in worship. That's not a mistake that we begin our lives reflecting about who we are by first understanding who God is. We build our lives around the promise that the God who revealed himself to Moses, who is intimately known through Jesus, will reveal himself to you. Throughout history, men and women who heard one word, felt one breath, saw one glimpse, experienced one moment of God, spent the rest of their lives following, chasing, pursuing, and with every breath declared the glory of God. May we do the same. So wherever you are in your own journey with God right now, whether you feel very close to God in this moment or a million miles away, simply know this, that God is infatuated with you. God wants to be known by you. God loves you so deeply. He sent his son to show us the way home. And so together we walk in the way. We walk in the path. Together one day, we'll be home. And so this week, may you be full of the wonder of the majesty of God. May you live in the paradox of the unknowable, unreachable God who is very near and wants to be understood by you. May your life be filled with joy this week. Go with him and go in peace.